Well, good morning. I'm Camper Monday, Associate Pastor. Uh, I, too, would like to welcome those of you who are visiting. Uh, we're glad to have you with us this morning. Uh, we continue in the book of Psalms where we have been for much of the summer months and where we will continue through the end of September. Uh, a wonderful book. I think we have been seeing uh, Jesus on every page, or I know that we have been seeing him on every page. Uh, Psalms, a, a very familiar book uh, for so many people. In fact, may, maybe you were here this morning and you didn't grow up in the church. Uh, maybe your family didn't uh, crack open a Bible, but you are probably still somewhat familiar with Psalms. Uh, maybe you have been to a funeral and heard a psalm read. Uh, maybe you have been in a, a bookstore and, and seen a psalm, maybe just a paraphrase of a psalm. There is so much in the book of Psalms. Uh, in, in, in many ways, this is probably the best known and possibly the, the most loved book of the Bible. Whenever the New Testament scriptures are printed just in and of themselves. Well, not all the time, but, but much of the time, I see Herb up here, a Gideon, passes out thousands of New Testament scriptures, and often with them, the New Testament and Psalms. Psalms is included. We turn to Psalms. Psalms expresses the depths of the human soul like no other book. It also expresses the seriousness of the human condition, as well as the beauty and majesty and faithfulness of God. And within the best-known, uh, most-loved book of the Bible, we come to what is probably the best-known and most-loved psalm. Psalm 23. Maybe you know it by heart. Maybe you say, I'm not sure I know Psalm 23, but you're probably familiar nonetheless with the opening line. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. The Lord is my shepherd. Shepherd, one of the most powerful and memorable images of God used in Scripture, uh, used in the Psalms, and in fact, if, if, if I were to ask you uh, what pictures of God, what, what metaphors used throughout Scripture and used in the Psalms stand out to you, probably two of your top five would be king and shepherd. That's what it would be for me. And then I, I discovered something fascinating as I was studying Psalm 23 this past week. And, and, and first, it, it's this. That in the book of Psalms, this is the first place that we encounter God as shepherd. I didn't realize that. Uh, up, up until this point, Psalms 1 uh, through 22, uh, king is probably the, the image used most often. So we get to Psalm 23, and I thought, ah, this is where King David, who was a shepherd, this is where he begins the trajectory of this theme of God the Good Shepherd throughout the rest of the Psalms. So I did a quick word search, and much to my surprise, out of 150 Psalms, only three Psalms refer to God as shepherd. Only three. 
So why then, when we think of the book of Psalms, why when we think of the images that stand out to us so much throughout Scripture, why is this such a powerful and memorable picture of God for us? Well, that's what we're going to explore today. And that brings us uh, to our text, Psalm 23. Uh, If you're using the the Pew Bible, the Bible found in the chair in front of you, or at least on one of the chairs uh, nearby you, uh, underneath, it's found on page 458, Psalm 23. Let me pray for us before we hear God's word. Our gracious God, our King and our Shepherd, we, we come to you this morning that we might meet with you, that we might see you, that we might believe as we encounter you, as you come after us, the good shepherd. And we need you to do that. We need you, the pursuing shepherd, to come after us and to, to help us not just think good thoughts or to have good insights, but that you would reach down into our hearts and bring change. And that you would convince us of the goodness of your gospel of grace. That you would open up this psalm to us. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now hear the word of God. Psalm 23. A psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of God. Well, this morning as we journey through Psalm 23... I want us to consider the psalm in in two parts, uh, the the two halves of the psalm, uh, verses 1 through 4, a sheep and his shepherd, and then verses uh, 5 and 6, a friend and his guest. Uh, So first, a sheep and his shepherd, a shepherd shepherd and his sheep, and then a friend and his guest. Now, I want to go ahead and point this out, and I'll, I'll bring it up again when we get to the second part, the second half. When we begin looking at God as as the friend, uh, David, the shepherd king, he's not abandoning the shepherd motif uh, at that point, but rather developing it. So just wanted to go ahead and have you you, uh, keep that in mind. Now, one more thing that struck me as I I got into this psalm this week was, at first I was very overwhelmed by the psalm. And then I began to realize it, it felt like it was this huge pinata and I was just whacking away at the pinata over and over and over and then once it broke open 
the glories and riches of God's grace that spilled out were far more than I ever believed were held in that pinata, the six verses before us. This is an amazing psalm, and I invite you to come and enter into it with me. So first, a shepherd and his sheep, verses 1 through 4. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not be in want. In other words, though I may lack the things that I think that I need, and though I may lack the things that I desire, the things that I really, really, really want to have, and there are a lot of those things, though I may lack that, with God as my shepherd, I shall never, never lack that which I most truly need, that which I ultimately need. As shepherd, God makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters, quiet waters. In, in other words, he gives me food and drink and rest. And as we look at the psalm, we can see this is referring to, to both physical and spiritual. The good shepherd providing for us. We know that physical bread is important. We need it for sustenance. We, we need it to give us health. In fact, if you were with us last Sunday for our adult ed class, uh, Alan took us through uh, praying the petition in the Lord's Prayer, give us today our daily bread. And we began to, to look at the many facets of what it means to pray for our daily bread. And of course, part of that is the very real, physical, tangible bread that we need to eat and the drink that we need to have and the rest that we need. But we also know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The word of God, by the power of his spirit spoken into our hearts, feeding us, refreshing, refreshing us. As shepherd, God restores my soul. He restores my soul. Now, he revives me physically. He, he keeps me going. He revives me spiritually. He awakens me to His Word by the power of His Spirit. He grows me in the, in the gospel of grace. <clears throat> As shepherd, God leads me in paths of righteousness. He, he leads me in right living, in how life works best. And how does life work best? through his word, in constant dependence on him. We've looked at that off and on over the past few weeks. It's not about growing up into being independent sheep, independent children of God. It is growing in greater and greater dependence on him every moment of every day. And he leads me for his name's sake, for his own honor and glory, because where his name is hallowed, where it is held high, life is filled with blessing and joy. Okay, now we could stop there, and it would be enough. But we could also move into the direction. I mean, think about how wonderful it sounds so far. He, he feeds me. He gives me drink. He gives me a place to rest. He restores my soul. He leads me in, 
in the right ways of living, I'm full of blessing and joy. Could begin to preach the prosperity gospel. Health and wealth, if I do the right thing, if I follow the shepherd correctly. But we reach sobriety pretty quickly, verse 4. Even though, when, when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. The valley of the shadow of death. The reality of fear and evil. Death. The last great enemy. The last great enemy, the end of life as we know it, that enemy that we will all face one day and that we will all face alone. No one can go with us. We can be at the bedside of someone who is dying. We can encourage. We can pray over but we cannot go with them. No one can go with us. No one except the God who leads us. And in Psalm 23, we see not only does he go before us, but he is with us. And that is why King David, the shepherd king, could declare, I will not fear. Why? For you are with me. You are with me. Great comfort in the face of death. That's, that's why Psalm 23 is read at so many funerals. It is a, a psalm of assurance, a psalm of confidence in God's shepherding care. But it's not just a psalm for dying, for death. It's a psalm for living. It's a psalm for meeting us where we are here and now. The valley of the shadow of death. This phrase can also be translated, the valley of deep darkness. The valley of deep darkness. And I believe that this is where the, the rubber meets the road for most of us here and now today. Deep darkness. It, it was prayed earlier as, as Dalton prayed. We live in a broken world. A fallen world as broken, fallen people because of our sin and our rebellion against God. Life does not work the way it's supposed to. And so there is a shadow of death hovering over our world, over our lives, every moment of every day. We feel the weight of darkness. Days of darkness. Weeks. Months. Sometimes years of darkness, broken people in a broken world because of sin, darkness all around us. Some of you have, and maybe some of you right now, are experiencing the deep darkness of depression, a very real, a very scary, a very lonely place to be. One of my dearest friends struggles with the deep darkness of depression. Seasons that last for weeks and months. God has met him. God has been faithful. But it's a scary place to be. Now others, maybe it's not depression, but the darkness of great loss. 
great loss or, or great struggle. And really for all of us, there's loss, there's struggle. For all of us, there are moments of depression. And the evidence of that is that all of us worry. All of us become anxious at times. In, in other words, we struggle with fear. We do not like to say, I am afraid, but so often we are fearful people. The valley of, the, the valley of deep darkness. Uh, I, I'm, I'm an oldest child, and so so much of my life has been rooted in, has been founded on getting it right, doing the right thing. There's some other eldest children out there, a few older children. Yeah, I, I know. You know what I'm talking about. And then, and then you younger siblings are just like, I don't know what the problem is with my big brother and my big sister. <clears throat> now, I don't know what it is for you, but, but so much of the time, I've just got to get it right. This, this, not only my childhood, but today. And so what does that do to me? But it brings up a great fear of failure. I am so afraid of failing. I get anxious about it. When I'm unable to control a situation. Okay, maybe I've matured enough. I know that I can't control it, but I'm still so immature. I think, well, I could manage it. And so, what is that exposing in my heart? I'm afraid. I fear. There's darkness. I struggle to trust God. I struggle to trust that He is my shepherd and that I have everything I need, everything that I truly need. What about you this morning? What, what are you worried about? What, what has exposed anxiety in your heart? Maybe not today, maybe this past week. What are you spinning on? It's a phrase we use a lot uh, in our household. What are you spinning on? The moments when you're not distracted by entertainment or busy at work or chasing around kids or whatever it is, you have the quiet moment and you're ready to just take a deep breath and have peace and then that thing just creeps in and you start spinning. What is it for you? In other words, where have you recently or where are you currently experiencing darkness? And maybe for you, it is right now a very deep darkness. Know this. Whatever you are facing, whatever it is, you are not alone. With God as your shepherd, you are not alone. He is with you. He is with you. With his rod, he defends and protects you. With his staff, he guides and corrects you, putting you on the right path. He says to you and he says to me, again, just as was prayed earlier this morning, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am your shepherd. I am with you. And the good news in the Bible is that darkness does not win. It doesn't win. The shepherd walks with his sheep through the valley, and he leads them to victory. And that takes us to the second part of our passage, the second half of Psalm 23. 
Uh, verses 5 and 6. A friend and his guest. A friend and his guest. Again, verse 5. Or actually, let me reread both those verses, 5 and 6. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy or goodness and steadfast love will follow me, will pursue me all the days of my life so that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You prepare a table. You prepare a table before me. Can you sense the shift in imagery being used here? Maybe you're like me and for so long you have read this psalm and you get to that part and it just it feels a little like an abrupt turn. I'm not sure where this table just showed up in the middle of this pasture. Again, uh, the shepherd King David is not abandoning the shepherd motif, but expanding it. He's developing it for us. And here we see that the shepherd is not only our guardian and our guide, but also our friend. And a friend who is our host, a friend who welcomes us. As friend and host, God prepares a table before me. He prepares a table. He prepares it. He is a servant. The servant king, the servant shepherd, prepares this for me, for you. Invites us to dine with him and serves us in joy throughout the meal. He's a friend who does so generously. Anointing my head with oil. Refreshment in a very dry climate. Refreshment for a very dry heart. My cup overflows. It overflows. It is filled to the brim, overflowing, filled in celebration of friendship, companionship, joy, and in victory. In victory over the valley of the shadow of death. In victory over the deep darkness. In victory over my greatest enemies, sin and death. As friend and host, God welcomes and embraces those who hear his voice, respond to his invitation, and come to his table. This is our good shepherd. A shepherd who is also our friend and host, and as friend and host, God establishes a covenant with his people. The sheep of his pasture. As theologian Derek Kidner explains, in the Old Testament world, to eat and drink at someone's table created an intimate bond of mutual loyalty. Okay, th this is what Bible scholars call table fellowship, and it is a big deal. Now, we eat with a lot of different people. Uh, a lot of different times. And there's nothing wrong with that, so I'm not downplaying that. Sometimes we invite friends over for an entire day or a weekend filled with hospitality and serving them. But there is something so much more that is going on here. In the Old Testament world, to eat and to drink at someone's table created an intimate bond of mutual loyalty, bound together, to be God's guests is to be more than a mere acquaintance invited for a day. 
It is to live with him. It is to live. It is to be in his family, one with his family. Yes, verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life so that I might dwell, so that I might live in the house of my Lord forever. A shepherd and his sheep, a friend and his guest. The two halves of Psalm 23. Oh, but there is so much more. This is where the pinata begins to explode. Because throughout the psalm, the entire psalm, we also encounter the Savior of sinners. The Savior of sinners from beginning to end and beyond. In fact, I know of a church that did an entire sermon series on Psalm 23. Psalm 23, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. We're only doing one sermon. So clearly we're not going to be able to cover everything. But we'll begin to touch, we'll begin to taste, we'll begin to see some of the goodness. And I hope that you will come back to this psalm afresh this week over and over and over again. If we had time this morning, I could develop how Jesus bookends Psalm 23. The opening and closing phrases, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Draw your attention once again to that word, Lord, the beginning and the end of the psalm. And as I've mentioned before, whenever we see the word Lord in small caps in our English translations, that small caps tells us something. It is the personal name of God. Not an impersonal title. It is the personal name. You have a personal name. I have a personal name. We call each other by personal names. God revealed himself with the personal name Yahweh. And then we render that in our English translations in the Old Testament with Lord in small caps. And of course, the clearest picture of Yahweh, the display of God's goodness and grace, is in Jesus. Jesus, whose name in Greek literally means the Lord, small caps, the Lord saves. Yahweh saves. Jesus saves. Jesus bookends this psalm. Jesus is my shepherd. I shall dwell in Jesus' house all the days of my life. Do you hear the good news in that? Jesus bookends your life. In Revelation, he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He bookends your life. If we had time this morning, I could develop further that not only does he bookend our lives, but he holds them together. We see it in this psalm. In the first part of the psalm, he leads us. In the last part of the psalm, he follows, or a better translation would be he pursues. He comes after us. He leads us. He pursues us. And what's at the very heart? What's in the middle? He is with us. Not only does He bookend our lives, but He holds them together every step of the way. We are never alone. The Good Shepherd is with us. If we had time this morning, uh, I could develop how Jesus' rod and staff 
they comfort me. How Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. How his rod and his staff, two pieces of wood, were formed into a cross where Jesus died in our place for our sin in love for us. If we had time this morning, I could develop how our cup should be overflowing, but how it should overflow with wrath, not blessing. How our cup should overflow with wrath, but through the cross of Christ, it overflows with the glories of grace, with salvation. In the words of Pastor Milton Vincent, the gospel reminds me first that what I actually deserve from God is a full cup churning with the torments of his wrath. This is the cup that would be mine to drink if I were given what I deserve each day. With this understanding in mind, I see that to be handed a completely empty cup from God would be cause enough for infinite gratitude. And then, if there were, if there were merely the tiniest drop of blessing contained in that otherwise empty cup, I should be blown away by the unbelievable kindness of God toward me. But that God, in fact, has given me a cup, a cup overflowing, a cup that is full of every spiritual blessing in Christ. And this, without the slightest, without the slightest admixture of His wrath, it leaves me truly dumbfounded with inexpressible joy. My cup, overflows. The Savior of sinners. Again, there is so much more. Psalm 23 is saturated with Jesus. Saturated with Jesus. Again, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And Jesus laid down his life for us on the cross so that we, by faith, could say, The Lord Jesus is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. The Lord Jesus is my shepherd, I have no need to fear, for you are with me. The Lord Jesus is my shepherd, and he is pursuing me every moment of every day to take me home that I might dwell in his house forever. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. Look to him. Trust him. Call out to him. He is the good shepherd. Let's pray.